What's up, everybody? This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Jungle Television. Jungle Television is creating gourmet art and streetwear, drawn and screen printed by hand here in Portland, Oregon. This dude, Alex, is making some of my favorite designs. His uh, clothing is heavy in my rotation. If you need jackets, shirts, prints, Jungle Television has got you covered. And uh, if you use the code DCP at checkout, you can get 20% off of your next Jungle Television order. So I'll put all those links in the episode notes so you can keep up with Jungle Television. And I appreciate Alex and his support for the podcast and for creating some of the dopest t-shirts in my closet. Let's start the episode. What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the program. Once again, if this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Friday. And if you want to help support the podcast in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes, clicking write a review, giving the podcast five stars. You say a few nice words and that will help propel this thing into the tops of those iTunes charts which uh, gives the show more visibility on the national and international levels. So cannot stress the importance of leaving those reviews. And it's just such a great way to contribute to the sustainability and the growth of this thing. I appreciate the fuck out of all the people that have already taken the time to do that. You can also find the show on Spotify now. So you can give it a follow there if that's your preferred listening platform. And I've been releasing some monthly playlists on Spotify as well. So look out for the February drop happening on Monday, February 1st. I'll put the link in the episode notes so you can find that and uh, go ahead and give that a follow there as well. Working on getting those playlists on the Apple Music as well. And you can check out the Day Cable Presents YouTube channel, which features a bunch of in-studio and live show performances from mostly Portland, Oregon-based artists from all genres. And it's kind of a look at what happened with the first few years of this podcast when we were doing a lot of studio sessions inspired by the KEXP sessions, the Seattle flagship, which has uh, just been producing some of the, the best music content on the the internet for many years now if you don't know about the kxp sessions i highly suggest you check out their youtube channel they've had so many amazing groups come through and perform in their studio and they just continue to keep dialing that thing in and it's just been cool to see how it's uh evolved over the years and they've got that more recent studio setup now and it just looks amazing so shout out to kxp huge inspiration for uh me starting this podcast five years ago is uh 
when that first episode dropped, um, which is kind of crazy and mind blowing to me. Yeah, it's kind of this strange feeling of of uh, it passing by so quickly, but all also feeling like I've been doing this for a long time now, and uh, just stoked that I've been able to to keep it going, and uh, I continue to have the desire to push it further and to continue to chase down the bands and the artists that are really inspiring me now or grabbing my ear now but also to you know really go after some of those bucket list guests for me and some of the the people that had such a huge impact on my life growing up and through my late teens and early 20s um, I think all of that is is super important and all really fuels the the fire for even starting this thing all those years back whether I knew it or not so I'm going after it I'm working on getting some of those folks on the show and uh, I think in the near future you'll see some of those people pop up on the podcast and also just really pumped to to speak with more people that uh, have been making music these last few years too that uh, that has really resonated with me or or shifted the way I even listen to music or have led me to to records that I never knew would have such a deep impact on me I think all of that is coming in 2021 and I just really appreciate the hell out of all you loyal listeners, I know we're creeping up on episode 250, and a lot of people have been listening to this thing from the beginning, or maybe you've been listening the last 100 episodes or, or 50 episodes. Um, yeah, just a big thanks to you for uh, for sticking through and, and hanging with me on a weekly basis. Um, I did put together some five-year anniversary merch there are some uh dan cable presents mugs available in four different styles and that link is in my my instagram bio and the link tree but i'll also put a link for it to the store there in the episode notes and then there will be a a pre-order for two different shirts that'll drop in the next week or two as well so stay tuned for all that, all those links will be in the episode notes. And there will also be a link for my guest this week, episode 240 from New Jersey. The Vons are on the show. Had a really awesome chat with Anna and Ryan from the Vons. I found their music about a year ago and started following what they were doing. And then recently they started dropping some new singles which are so fucking good. And we're going to play a couple of the jams on this episode. And they had a new EP drop today. So happy release day to the Vons. Rom-coms and Takeout is now available on all the streaming services. It's a three-song EP. Check it out. And then they've also got a bunch of music that they've released before that as well. So if you dig what you hear, I'd encourage you to go 
check out the uh, the rest of the catalog. This is a great chat. It was cool to uh, get to find out the beginnings of this thing and and how their vision for this band is is becoming more realized as they uh, they dive into new production tools and they just put out this really cool video on their YouTube which is a, a drum and keyboard tutorial for one of their newer jams, Reina, that we're going to play here in just a minute. But I thought that was rad. Just, uh, you know, Ryan breaking down how things are done on, on the drum pad. And, and we speak about that a little bit and, uh, the keys as well. So check that out. If you want to, if you want to geek out on that tune and maybe learn how it's, uh, you know, comes together. That is there, and there's also a uh, an official video for Reina as well that you can check out, and I'll put the the links there in the episode notes for that, and also that February playlist that is coming out on the first, as I mentioned before, also includes Reina as well there. So check out the Vons, really digging the music that they're making right now, and. Um, I appreciate them uh, taking the time to hang with me and, and chat about their tunes and and their process and whatnot. So with all that, I hope everybody is doing well out there. Hope you're uh, finding a way to keep your head above the water, finding some joy in your day amongst the, uh, the crazy times. Hopefully we're on the, the backside of this pandemic and we're getting closer and closer to uh, some, some sense of of normalcy but uh until then appreciate you for uh for checking out the show if you're brand new to this thing and you uh tuned in because you're a fan of the Vons, i would encourage you to uh go back and check out some of the previous interviews i've done episodes come out every friday if it's not a conversation with an artist it's a uh it's the i dig Records series which is uh my cousin and I each pick a record and we do a deep dive on it and do kind of book club style, I guess, on records. And we play tracks in the background and and listen to certain songs. So there's 11 of those out now and a 12th one should be dropping in the next week or two. So check it out and we're going to get into things. Episode 240. The Vons on the podcast, first guests from New Jersey. And uh, we're going to kick it off with that Raina track that I've been speaking of. This is such a killer tune. I've been uh, definitely playing this one on repeat, heavy in the rotation. And uh, we're going to get into it. Let's do the damn thing. You're a glimpse of sun out of rainy Yeah, your mother would say that's how you caught your name. You're the next big thing and the voice in my head. You get stuck on rewind like a memory can. You're my favorite view on a city night. You're my
Stoked to to chat with the both of you. I uh, I got I think I think it was maybe like a year ago. I was either like cruising the Equal Vision roster of things, or maybe it was just a random Instagram ad that I saw for for your band, and I started going through the music and started checking out FOMO, which was available at that time. And I was like, Oh, this is cool. And then these last couple singles all weekend and Raina came out. I was like, Whoa, the Vaughn's sound like they're, uh, they're doing some, some different stuff with the, these new tunes. And I, I, yeah, the Raina song in particular, like really hooked me in and just felt like you guys were taking things maybe, in a different direction with some some of the newer tunes so um yeah aside from that i know you know not a whole lot about your band other than that you are from new jersey and uh that you all have been playing music together for a while now so i'm stoked to kind of just maybe we could take it back to the beginning of how how the vons got started oh man do you want to run it or you want me to run it um (laughs) I've been playing in bands since high school um, with, you know, guys in the area. Um, 
basically um, this band started as just a jam with friends of friends who also played music in the same town but we never really played together um, and at some point they were like it was like the three of us and then there was a fourth person and then the fourth person pulled Anna in and then all of a sudden it was like this whole band and we were like we were just like a shred in your face classic rock band like writing our own songs like yeah. just trying to be cool and shred and like play shows and have a good time um, but it all started from like my garage it was just like a summer summer jam thing with some friends and um, I don't know. It just, I guess it just kept going and now we're here. It just never stopped. <laughs> we're just like, I guess this yeah. is cool. Maybe we should just not stop. Yeah. Ryan, was uh, your first instrument the drums? Um, well, so my dad's best friend is a guitarist. He's a very good guitarist. He's into metal. He's a huge Black Sabbath fan. And when I was a kid, um, I was like, oh, Pete's the coolest guy ever. Like, I want to play guitar. So I, my dad bought me an acoustic guitar, mm. and I started taking guitar lessons. And after about a month, I was like, this is hard. I hate this, and I quit. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then, like, a year or two later, my dad bought himself a drum set because all of his friends growing up were musicians, and he never, like... I don't know, like never had the time or whatever to like learn how to play. Um, and at some point I was like, just like playing on his drum set. And I don't know, at some point he's like, you know what? Like, you're better than me. Like, just, just, you can have it or whatever. And, and then you play drums. And now I play drums. <laughs> <laughs> and Anna, when you, when you showed up to, to jam with these people initially, like, were you already writing songs at that point? Um, yeah, I was, so, like, my musical, uh, come up was, like, I was doing a lot of open mics, and I was hanging out with, like, a lot of singer-songwriters, and kind of in more of, uh, that, like, songwritery acoustic space, and, um, so when I got invited to go jam, I was, like, totally <laughs> out of my element, and I remember, like, bringing my dad's, like, Gibson, like, um, Les Paul, Les Paul, so nice. like, you know, I'd like never played electric guitar, but I walked in and I just was like blown away because I couldn't believe that there was all these guys from my hometown just like shredding. And at the time I like, didn't know what a solo was or anything. So I was, I was really impressed and, um, just wanted to get involved and, um, but I was writing songs. So then I kind of brought in this like, oh, okay. Like let's try to write songs aspect to them. And that's when I think we started becoming a band. Yeah. Yeah. Did you start playing acoustic guitar at a pretty young age? Yeah. My, my dad played, um, and he like dabbled in like writing songs and had like cover bands and stuff when he was in high school. So he taught me very like basics of the guitar, pretty, pretty young, like elementary school or so. And then I just, it was just always something I did was kind of write, um, I never thought I would perform like I didn't perform anything until like senior year of high school but I always wrote so that was just kind of how I got into music and I still think like where I mostly connect with it were you always kind of writing down lyrics or poetry of some sort jotting down lines yeah exactly like I was just I it's I, I like wasn't um I didn't do it a lot. I mean, I did a lot, but it was just like a private thing. Like I didn't share it with anyone. So it was kind of funny when I started playing, like a lot of my closest friends, my family, like were like, had no idea that I did that. But, um, yeah, I was always writing lyrics, always writing. I really liked poetry when I was young. So I, music was just so cool. Cause I was like, Oh, you can like put poetry and music together and then like make a song. And I just was obsessed. Yeah. 
For sure. And it sounds like both of you were kind of surrounded by friends or family that were pretty encouraging of y'all, like, playing music and expressing yourself in that way. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, my, my dad... Um, I think every parent probably knows, but like when your kid starts playing an instrument, you suck. (laughs) (laughs) And like being a parent and just like being encouraging and like telling your kid, like, you sound great, like practice or whatever, like taking you to like shows and going to watch you play, even though you suck is like, it definitely takes a certain type of person. And my parents were like very supportive because I was playing shows and you know, jamming at friends' houses every single week, way before I had a license and I could drive myself to their houses. So it's, it, it having like a supportive family, you know, made all of this. Yeah, really. Definitely. Yeah, I, I, I think that's like really. It doesn't, it doesn't seem like it would be cool as a high schooler that your family and your parents are showing up to all the gigs to support, but it does mean a lot when you're in that position. It's like. Because like you're saying, it's usually not great in the beginning. So they're showing up to clap for you for doing this thing that's probably not that great. <laughs> a little a little rough to sit through sometimes. Mm-hmm. So like high school, are do you both and your circle of friends have other people that you know that are playing in bands yet? Or are you, you kind of maybe one of the only people that you know that are getting together to jam? That's, yes. that's funny you asked that question. You, you started. Well, so the funny thing for me is that, like, in high school, like I said, like, this, like, music was, like, my, like, secret, private, like, me time type of thing. So, like, I was, like, super, ath- I was, ath- I was, like, an athlete, basically. <laughs> I was, a, I, was no, a, no, I just, like, played I, some like, sports. I, played sports in high school. That was, like, what I did, and that was where, like, my friends were, and my circle of friends were very much in that, um... So I didn't really know anyone in high school that was playing music until like senior year I performed and then I started meeting people. But it was a very weird thing for me. I think it's funny because we we went to the same high school, but we didn't really hang out and we didn't know each other. Like we have so many like strong mutual friends. Like one of my best friends is one of her best friends, but we just didn't really. I don't know. Yeah, was seeing Anna play like in high school that that time when you found out she was playing music and that you should maybe invite her to come jam? Well, so that's the thing is, um, there were, so there were two other guys there that I knew the, the bass player, we, we jammed, you know, at some point, you know, years before like this one practice and the guitar player that we were playing with was a family friend. And then there was, I'm going through everybody. I guess it doesn't matter. Um, the other guitar player was, friends of those other two friends um and you know there were whatever a million connections and that other guitar player is the one who invited anna to my house to practice so i actually never saw her play before she was in my garage that day so that was that was the first time her like mrs songwriter with like dad's les paul and like we're just shredding and she's like trying to like play along and follow along and like contribute and it was just one of those moments where we were playing together and she was just like singing on her like shredding garbage, whatever. And I was just like, yo, we got to get that one. <laughs> and the guys were like, I don't know, man. And I was like, dude, we got to. <laughs> yeah. Ryan really like, from what I've heard, was like the advocate to invite me into the band officially. <laughs> and I'm really grateful for that. Definitely <laughs> push that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anna, since you were... Uh 
kind of new to the jamming situation where you were, did you kind of just sit back and, and figure out how you could maybe start just kind of doing the singing thing opposed to like worrying about the, the musicality of it? To some degree, yeah. I mean, I knew they were all so much at the time, like better musicians than me. So I just saw it as an opportunity to learn. And I just, you know, I just, it's kind of funny to look back at now because it's like I can, <laughs> I'm having a flashback to see like how far I've really come. But um, yeah, like I, I definitely was, I just knew that I could offer singing and that was where I could actually offer something because musically at the time, I, I don't think I did. Um, but it's kind of fun because I ended I, now years later. I, I just was able to learn so much from them. Uh, that's just what I'm thinking about right <laughs> now. But yeah, I kind of was like, okay, I'm just gonna like sing, and I knew I like would write songs. But um, for me, it was really cool to bring songs to the table, and like they weren't really writing songs yet or really diving too deep into that. So I kind of was like, I could offer this, and then it was cool because it was cool to see what they were able to add to the songs I was bringing. So how deep into you all getting together and after those initial jams, do you start getting a little more serious with it and start thinking about, you know, putting out music like the Tom Foolery EP? It's fun. There's actually one before that. <laughs> um, it's just not on the, it's just not on the internet. Yeah. I saw, I saw on the Wikipedia, the Wikipedia does make mention of this, this like self-titled. <laughs> it might be on Bandcamp, but it, it might be on it Bandcamp. It was basically like, we were pretty quick where like we started jamming and we started writing songs and we all got excited. And I think all of us just really wanted to play shows. Like that was the one thing that everyone at that time just really wanted to yeah, do. Yeah. We needed music to basically tell venues, Hey, we're a band yeah. and we have music. Like let us play right, a right, show. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> so we, so we did record in like 2014, like probably a couple months after even playing together. We, we like, and you know, I think Ryan was the only one who had ever recorded music in any capacity before. So we made this like little EP of what the songs we were writing at the time. And we just really used it to send to, to give to bars to try to get gigs. And um, so it's like right. really, you know, it, it's by no means great or and production. We had no idea what we were doing, but um it was but just it was, a, it was a learning yeah experience. it was learning and it was definitely enough it got us into bars and um so then i think tom fuller was like the first time we were like oh okay now we've been playing shows now we have a couple songs and that was like a next step in recording for us for sure completely blind to like the northeast scene at all uh i've never i've never even been to the northeast never so 
No, I have not. Um, I've been meaning to make a trip happen, but yeah, the Northeast is completely foreign to me. So what is, is that, uh, is that scene like in the New Jersey area, pretty accessible at that time when you're trying to get gigs for yourself? So the New Jersey scene is kind of interesting because New Jersey itself is, is, you know, we're on the border of New York City. It depends on where in the state you are. You could, like, where we are right now is we're an hour from New York City and an hour and a half from Philadelphia. Um, so it's like being too, near two major cities. There's all these pockets, but, you know, New Jersey doesn't really have any, like, major cities. Um, but when we started playing, do is a really strong, what we called, like, the basement scene in New Brunswick, which is where Rutgers University is. The yeah. Bouncing Soul started there Thursday. Screaming females. Screaming oh, yeah. females. Yeah. Um, any anybody else we can know? Anyway, but a bunch Gaslight of bands. Anthem. Gaslight Anthem. Yeah. Um, but you have all these really big bands that have started from like the pockets of like Rutgers University, Streetlight Manifesto. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there was when we started playing, there was just like a really good supportive music scene in New Brunswick, New Jersey. Um, eventually, we made it out to like the Asbury Park area, which is you know like thirty minutes south of New Brunswick, about an hour south from here, and that's you know like Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. They're from there, and. Um, all of those like Jersey bands, Bon yeah. Jovi's from down there, um, but yeah, there were there were always like pockets and places for us to play. Um, yeah, I think it was. It has a really, I think it's a really well welcoming place for a young band. And there's, you know, small venues like basements and, you know, beach town bars that are always looking for people to play. So it's a really kind of unique thing because I think it's really centered on live music um, for a lot of New Jersey musicians which I think is kind of unique I don't know I, I feel like a lot of bands yeah. today are like more focused on just like making recorded music and then doing like a whole campaign around it where we were totally like the grassroots like we just want to play at your bar and we just did that for like five years and then <laughs> before we ever were good <laughs> like so I don't know I think that's really unique and special about New Jersey it's the whole DIY punk it's vibe. Di it's very yeah. punk. Like, very do-it-yourself, go out and tour, get in a van, just do yeah, it. Just, like, be gross, you yeah. know? Just <laughs> Which I think is really great, because you do have to, like, do it, and you do have to learn how to play the shows, and it doesn't, like, just become all kind of this studio magic thing, where I feel like, you know, the bands or the artists that do get kind of caught in that, that hole of just kind of writing and producing music at home... Maybe you never really learn how to perform that music and that becomes a struggle. I mean, even growing up in like the LA area and playing in bands out there is like the focus was always like, yo, you got to go make like this really polished record of some sort to get the attention of somebody. And then all the focus becomes, you know, into that instead of playing live. Because I feel like for us, when we were young, we knew we were so far away from, like, ever impressing anyone <laughs> with, like, a recorded piece of music. We just couldn't afford it. We couldn't make anything like that. So, like, our goals were always just, like, the small steps of, like, oh, we want to play this bar. Okay, we did that one. Oh, we want to play this bar. We, so, we, we want to impress people at the live show yeah. with our playing ability. Yeah. Not so, our recorded stuff. So it's just interesting. I would love to hear more about um your experience like out there, what that music scene's like. 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it was also, I guess, probably a few years before you guys made your first EP. I was like out in that area and played in an alternative rock band. Um, and yeah, everybody we talked to about trying to like advance our band was always just like, yo, go make a record. Go make like a good sound, not like not a shitty DIY recording, but, you know, go make a good sounding record. And at that time, I mean, we're talking like, yeah, probably even like five years back before you are making your records, like 2009 to 2012, making some music out there. And yeah, it was just this mentality of make the polished thing so that the label buys into it already like you already have this product and then maybe you get like one of those weird fucking la showcases where you're playing for a bunch of like suits and a and r people and i think you maybe you get caught up in just the the studio life and don't get to spend enough time playing with each other which is very easy to tell right like once you see that band live you can very easily see when when a band doesn't have their shit together live you know you can quickly see like oh we didn't really flesh out how to play this music live we've just been recording it yeah Mm -hmm. yeah it's funny for us because it's like we would play you know three four shows a month at these bars and you know we play so many shows where like you know there was no one there and it's every time we play a show we'd be like oh yeah this show coming up is gonna be the one where like somebody important who owns the next level bigger venue is gonna let us play there and it's like yeah it just it took so many years of that before like those little opportunities actually happened but it wasn't (laughs) it was definitely not like oh we're gonna put out a finished product and hopefully someone grabs it it was just like oh someone's gonna come to one of these shows and be like yo you're coming on tour with us you guys are sick (laughs) yeah yeah exactly our goals were so rooted i think in the live thing always always yeah i i guess uh, the other really rough thing about like that la music scene is that it's a lot of pay-to-play venues like these these promoters have just like put a monopoly on all the big venues that you want to play so you just get you get caught up in this cycle of like you're selling 40 or 50 tickets and which like is pretty great if like you know at that level if that many people can come out and sometimes 100 are coming out but you're not you're never like building any community with the other bands on the bill because there's six bands on it and everybody is just there to see the band they came to see and everybody leaves after so you know, you get that fucking fifth or sixth spot, you're screwed. You're playing at like 11 or midnight and there's nobody there anymore. It's just such a weird situation. Yeah, that stinks. I, w- there was definitely some situations like that in New Jersey, but I think like what makes something like the basement scene in New Brunswick so special it's, is that it's free. it was free, but it was also just like, like I fell in love with it. The first time I went to a basement show, it was like this... <laughs> spiritual moment of just like seeing because it was a community and it was just kids who loved music screaming their hearts out in this basement to a hundred of their closest friends like everyone's got three beers in their hands and everyone's (laughs) staying but everyone's people are singing along to a band you've never heard of and it's people are staying to watch the next band and it really is like 
I think we must owe a lot to the the like bigger bands that have come from that scene. I think Rutgers has like a long history of yeah. like this happening, and I know a lot of colleges have that. But I, I think that that was like so important to us, and such a big piece of like our history as a band was being a part of that and building a community of um, just meeting so many other musicians who like were doing the same thing made made such a big difference and there's and, and there's one piece of this that we're probably not explaining that that makes it even i guess bigger for us is that in each of these little like scenes most of the people that are part of the scene live there right so new brunswick most of the bands that are playing there are either from the area or they're going to rockers or they've gone to rockers but we never went there. None of us went there, but it, they were all welcoming. All of these scenes were welcome, welcoming to us, even though we weren't yeah. really part of it, I yeah. guess. So. And, then, and then we were there so often that everyone started to think we were from there. So like, <laughs> yeah. when we started to get like a little bit of local press and stuff, they would always say we were from New Brunswick. <laughs> and then, like, <laughs> yeah, there was like a good two years of that. And then like the year after that was when we got really involved in the Asbury scene. And then scene. we were an Asbury band. And then there was like two years where people were calling us an Asbury band. And like, we're just from this like random little town. But it's just <laughs> funny, like, it's changed. Now I think we're like, I don't know. We're just Jersey, or they don't even know anymore. They're like the the Vaughns are from somewhere. (laughs) We know they exist, but we don't know where they are. (laughs) Uh, Those basement shows are game changers, though. My my introduction to that was I moved up to Portland, Oregon, like seven or eight years ago, and that was my first time showing up to these house shows. And like you're saying, just to see all these all these people singing along in a in a small basement together and yeah and and just those venues being the important ones within the scene you know absolutely that's that's awesome to hear i don't think we we haven't been to portland yet so it's awesome to hear that there is a good do you feel like portland has a pretty chill music scene I think it's amazing. It's su- I think it's I mean, I'm a little biased cuz I've been here for a while now and I've I've gotten to know a lot of different artists in the city, but I think it's severely underrated and it like really has a wide range of genres that are represented here on a nightly basis. And it's uh similar maybe to what you're talking about of like that Rutgers environment just being really warm like it's it doesn't feel as uh like there's a i think there's a healthy level of competition just because there's so many good artists but it doesn't feel so cutthroat like the la scene yeah and i think it's because you have people who are just doing it like just because they love it you know and it's like there's competition in the sense of like yeah like we would go see other bands and i would be like damn they were good like and then we'd go into practice the next night and be like we gotta be better you know like <laughs> yeah but it wasn't like but then there was none of that animosity and it was there just, was none of that it was here. Just, yeah none of it it would be like you'd be having a beer with it but you'd be like fuck dude that solo was so good like how the fuck did you come up with you know, sorry pardon all my Yo. no, you're, you're good you i'm, can, I'm you you talking like i'm at a basement show now you're talking like you're at a new jersey yeah. basement show well this is an uncensored uncensored podcast you can say whatever you like to say um but my point is that like that i agreed on the healthy competition thing and that's really really important for bands too i think because you you want to be around people that are going to make you excited to be better because that's you know 
what motivates yeah, you, I guess. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, what's better than going to a show and then wanting to go home and play music because you saw that show or be inspired to write or whatever? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think that the, the problem, though, was when you had that feeling in the middle of the show and you're, like, <laughs> watching the band play and you you're just, just like... Sad. <laughs> you're, like, you're like, I want to watch this band play, but I can't even go home and do anything about this. I just have to sit here and, oh, like, watch yeah. them shred on me. Yeah. <laughs> I think also one thing that I really admire about maybe the being in that that east coast location is it seems like you can you are so close to so many major cities so does that like make it a lot easier to to do short little tours on the weekend yeah weekenders are huge um like i feel like our progression of the band was okay we were like playing every weekend in new jersey and then at some point you know there's like an older band that's like nah man you gotta do weekenders and you're like okay that's the next step and it's it is really really nice to be in jersey because you can hit we would hit like massachusetts new york and like philly all in one weekend and that was like our introduction to touring was um we had my parents minivan at the time and we would just pack up and try to hit two or three shows like a friday saturday sunday or a thursday through saturday and um you could get to a lot of cool college towns from where we're at within like two hours yep and like amidst all of that, were you, were there conversations about like, we really want to do this or were you just kind of just playing music together and, and seeing where it would go? Yeah, it's, 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 it's kind of funny. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. I think we just did, there was just at some point it just became like, it's just, it's just what we did. Yeah. It was, it just was what we did for a really, really long time before we even considered any other option it was just what yeah. we did i don't know how to explain yeah, it it's kind of weird to think about now like we definitely talked like you know we all had the big dream of like yeah we want to be rock stars <laughs> like you know that was what i think got us all to, to start it in the first place and we would talk about that but i th honestly for like those good four or five years day to day i think we just became so obsessed with it and loved just getting in the van and going that we weren't even talking about what we wanted. No, we, yeah, we, we it was just yeah, like we just did it. Yeah, we, we really didn't. It was yeah. just kind of yeah. It was, it yeah. was, it was just. There's no, there's no other I way know. to say it was it literally just, just we just did it. We just did it. Yeah. <laughs> and people started showing up and kept showing up. It exactly. Seems. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, like it's like sounds. Yeah, that's like, actually what happened. I feel stupid because it's like you always like hear people like tell stories like that, and you're like, well, I don't get it. Like, how did it fucking happen? And it's like we just keep doing. We, we just, just kept, kept doing, doing it. it. <laughs> and then like, um, I think around the big shift for us was like right before FOMO came out. There was like, um, the one or FOMO kind of took us a while because we like had to record it in chunks. Um, yeah, we didn't have the money to put it yeah. put it all down. So like the like. But when we started, I think, playing FOMO songs live, that was where we just started to see... So there was a good two years or so before the record came out that we were playing those songs live. And like that was where I felt like all of a sudden we'd like show up to a Jersey show and there was just like pretty consistently 60 to 100 people there. Previously, it was like 20. Yeah, and it was just... Yeah. Once we started playing those songs, it was just like, okay, people are like coming back. Like people who came to see us a month ago are coming back every time we come to Asbury and like really into it. And then that was also when we kind of started touring more. And then we were finding that people in like other states were following along. So it was kind of like... 
I don't know. I felt like that was where a real shift happened. And I think we just got, after years of doing it, somewhat decent. And it, it just Yeah, sure. Paid off. Somewhat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And then, um, and then when we put FOMO out, that was, like, you know, definitely a big shift as well. Yeah, for uh, for thinking that you would never share your your music or your songs with people, it must have been pretty cool to show up to other cities and know that, you know, these people that came out to, to see the Vaughns and see your guys' music. Yeah, it's still pretty surreal. <laughs> like, we're just really grateful to be have all the opportunities we've had um, to, like, keep doing this now because it's... Cool. At this point, I think it's, like, beyond both of our, like, expectations. Like, so it's pretty neat. Yeah, what do you... What do you uh maybe a tribute to the dynamic between the two of you of like continuing this thing on. Cause what, what are you like six, seven years deep into playing music together? Yeah, I think, um, I don't know in the last year or two, we, we, we actually have been able to have the conversation of what do we want out of this and what can, what do we do well and what can we do better and what should we work on? And I think both of us just feel like we have more to do and we want, we have, you know, I I don't know. This is like a weird answer, but it's just like, we're just like really honest and open with each other about like what we want out of this. And we kind of just going to keep pushing it as long as things are growing really. Yeah. I mean, I think like the amazing thing is that we're still having fun doing it. And I think to be honest this year, like we've had more fun than we've probably had since some of those really early years. So yeah, at this point we just feel like, Oh wow, this is like, you know, we're starting to see it pay off a little bit and it's like, we're still having a lot of fun. So <laughs> let's just I, keep doing it. Actually, yeah. Honestly, like when you asked before and we were just saying, it's just kind of like what we did now, it's just, what now it's, do. it's because we want to do it. Yeah. We want to. And it's also what we know. Like, I feel like at this point, I just don't know who we are if we don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just don't know what I would do with my time. We always yeah. joke that like, Cause we, I mean, like we literally like, we, you know, we still work and so we still have day jobs. And so we were like these, you know, we have day jobs, but then we basically do this whole other job on the side 24 seven and then have late nights where we're doing stuff like this two to three nights a week. And then we're on the phone at 8am every day for some meeting or call or whatever. Like we balance a lot, but it's we always joke that like if we didn't do this we just don't know what on earth we i'm like what we just watch tv shows like i, I don't know like, i honestly <laughs> I, don't know. Like, I really think we would have another one of those like like midlife crisis no like early 20 year old like who am i yeah, like what is I my identity like a, i would have like a breakdown <laughs> yeah, yeah you you obviously you know you love doing it it would like you're doing it with with the day job and and you know working around all those obstacles which obviously like is a testimony to how much you love or believe in what you're doing. Yeah. Sure. Guess so. <laughs> <laughs> so with f the FOMO record, you said it was recorded in chunks. So were all of the songs determined when you went in to record the first batch or was it kind of building on top of what had been done I think we we, ha we had probably 7 or 8 songs I think before we even decided what we were doing. I think what happened is we decided it was time to move on to a different studio and producer to have it recorded with. And we took two of the songs that were going to be on the record and actually we ended up recording them at two different places. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah. Which wow. was expensive for us, but it was, it was we, rec we, we wanted, it's so hard with producers and studios because it's like, 
you can never really compare how your stuff is going to sound with different people. So we decided to use two songs to test. Um, so I think we did two songs at two places, picked one, and then did two more batches of four. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, we, I think we had six, seven, or eight songs written. I think the last two we wrote towards the end. Yeah. That sounds about right. Does that sound right? Yeah, I think so. It's funny how we remember different things. Yeah. Because you were like saying some <laughs> stuff before, and I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot that was, yeah, that was how that funny. happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it just seems with FOMO, there's a, there's a lot of different sounds covered. So I was just kind of curious, like, how, how that worked out as far as the process. I think it was, like, written over a couple years, too. And, like, we were definitely, like, even though it just came out, officially i don't know like i forget i forget 17 was it 17 no it's like 18 or 19 yeah it says 2019 on the itunes which is weird because like we wrote that probably in 2016 17 because it like it took us a long time to have to save up to record it and then we had to record in chunks because everyone was always working and all that so 2018 is when we had the copyright yeah and then it probably like came out we i think we had to wait a while before we put it out because we were like waiting to tour in the summer and hoping there might be a label or something yeah and it didn't happen so like um yeah i think that the release kept getting pushed back with like you know, due to like management and stuff like that, suggesting stuff like that. But, yeah. but so the songs were, are like, were pretty old for us. And, um, I don't know. It's funny now looking back at them. Cause I think there's a lot of things we probably would have approached differently. We were super young when we wrote them. And like at that age where as a musician, you just want to play like everything at once. And you just want to like, you just want to crush everything. You just want to do a <laughs> fill everywhere, and you want to play the cool guitar lick, and you want to scream on the top of your lungs, and so, yeah. Yeah. It's funny you mention that, because I think listening to, like, FOMO, you can definitely hear, like, these rock and roll, like, bluesy rock and roll elements, you know? Definitely has, like, some some Jack White or some Arctic Monkeys and, you know some black keys even maybe vibes of like with the the guitar licks and everything but when i put on reina for the first time i was just kind of thinking like oh there there seems like there's a lot more space like you're just giving things this opportunity to breathe like exactly what you're saying like you like when you're first making songs especially in the studio you just like want to throw everything on tracks and it just seems like maybe um yeah some some patience has been learned and and maybe just like getting what you actually want out of these new tunes absolutely and i mean i'm happy like that's a really great point to bring up because i think that that was um that's been some one of the conversations we've had over the last year or two of just like i think we both have just matured so much as writers and like have also just learned that what makes a good song like it, it's a lot of times really simple things like it's just a great melody and a constant beat and like space is sometimes more important than filling up a lot of space so we put a lot of effort with this EP I think it was a really big growing point for us to think a lot about arrangement and when something is supposed to be the focus letting that be the main focus so if it's vocals let's give enough space for that to be like grab your attention and if it's strings it's strings like 
I don't know. I think we've learned a lot, and so it's it's nice that you've noticed. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like every every musician always wants to put their best foot forward with you know everything they do, and and you know show people like show people their 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 best thing. But we realize that like in a song, it's like it's not about each piece; it's about the full picture. Yeah. So instead of doing what's best suited for us as a singer or a drummer or a guitar player or whatever, it's what's what should we do for the song? What's best for the song? What's best for the song? That's, that's a phrase that we've been like obsessed. We've been really yeah. Yeah. On. This this EP, if there was a quote that you shouldn't quote us on, it would be, "What's best for the song?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think those are just like the natural progression of of just like learning how to serve the song and getting out of the way and like listening to maybe someone else's ideas better than yours. That shit that shit's all really hard to learn though as a as a young person. Yes. Absolutely. Um yeah. So I just I got a lot got, of ass yeah. off of that. I mean, I think that was like too one of the cool things about this EP too is like us getting to a point with each other where like and in ourselves where we can t- like not take things so personally. Yeah. Like one of the things I worked really hard on with this EP was like pronunciation um in my singing and it was like always that comment that people would make where like, oh, your voice is so pretty, but like I can't understand what you're saying or something like that. And I totally get it because it's like live, I'm like, it always annoys me because I'm like, you never understand what anyone's saying when they're singing live, but whatever. <laughs> but I was like, long story short, um, it, was a, it was a soft spot. And Ryan basically like sat me down one day as we were working on this EP and was like, hey, man, like we have like we have to we have to get this right and like basically just encouraged me to like really think about it and work on it and um the the way he got me to really think about it was he was like you care so much about the lyrics but like if no one can understand what you're saying what's the point (laughs) and I was like oh my god um but anyway so like I just it was a big moment for me to like not let that you know nag the confidence or take that personally and just buckle down and put in the work to pronunciate better yeah i mean i'll say like fomo definitely introduced me to your band but it's like these newer jams that i'm like whoa like it seems like you guys are kind of like really digging into like what the bonds are and and uh like i think i really noticed that that vocal dynamic shift with all weekend and reina just seems like like your tone is like super dialed in and and yeah you aren't doing like maybe some of the louder screamy stuff at moments but it's just yeah it's just like a fresh it's a fresh look on on things for sure i mean with like reyna you got some like drum machine stuff going on yeah i got i got a new toy um earlier last year i don't um it's like one of those drum sample pad kind of things. Yeah. Um, I don't know what you, you know, how much you know about these things, but it's, it's, it has like all these preloaded sounds on there, but you could also like download your other, sa- like other sounds, but it's, it has the ability to sample, but also like you can perform it live. Um, so when we were working on that song, it's like we, you know, I picked all the sounds, I added effects to it. We built it on a pad. We didn't build it in like Pro Tools or Logic or Ableton. It's like, it's, you know, electronic. So how natural is it? But it's, it's, it's the most natural way, I guess you can do electronic drums. It it wasn't programmed. It was real. Um, same with the, like what, what came through in the studio. It was like, it went from the pad into 
Pro Tools. Um, but yeah, we're just we're trying different sounds and different flavors and just what does the song need <laughs> yeah and like something like a drum pad or you know introducing maybe some electronic drums and whatnot it's got to be like such a game changer because it's this whole new like atmosphere to work with and like it's such a different instrument than just a regular drum set so do you find that you guys are even starting songs just with like a drum beat at this point or like a drum loop and building things that way more as like producing songs rather than jamming them out now i think i I think in the last couple months we've really just opened up all of the doors when it comes to what we like how we can start a song you know it's like some songs are starting live some are starting you know from like logic some are starting from a drum loop some are starting from a key part some are starting from like fake strings i feel like right now we're just trying to play with all the different flavors um there is like a riff we're working on where it did start from a drum loop but it's it's nowhere near complete for us to even dig into but it's exciting. Um, it's a little overwhelming um, just because there's just so many different levels and pieces to learn about. I'm, I'm a drummer first and everything else is happening now. Um, so me having to learn about sound effects and levels and how to plug it in and, yeah. <laughs> and just, I'm not going to get super into it, but there's just so much more outside of what my last 10 years of, of drum experience and knowledge is it's this is a new world for me for sure yeah and anna you play you play some synths as well as guitar yeah we we both pass the synths like some of the synths you hear on the record we both were kind of passing that back and forth we have a little like microcord that we love um (laughs) but yeah some of the synths like um by no means a piano player but i've always like dabbled in a little bit you know know the basic chords type of thing on piano so um it's like it just has been fun to not limit ourselves and just have that as an option of something we can include so like some of the sins on all weekend were just literally like um on like my computer keyboard logic sounds that i just like did as i was messing with the demo one day and i was like oh that's kind of cool like i kind of like that and then we just like kept it so just to like not say no immediately to ideas like that has been really freeing and like exciting yeah i gotta imagine like whether you're fluent on the keys or not that's got to be like a nice like songwriting tool just to maybe like even kick a song off differently than than starting it on a guitar exactly i think that's like what's been so cool about bringing all these new sounds in and just getting to a place where we're like so open to exploring with them is again because like the sentence we keep going back to is what's best for the song so if the song's requiring something like i guess our mentality lately is let's try it if we hear strings on this all right we've never done strings before let's figure out how to do this <laughs> like um which has been neat i have a, i have a question completely unrelated but do, which because i know you're in the music scene so what instruments do you play um i play guitar not like i can't shred i you know i write some songs i do some like low-key acoustic stuff i don't usually put music out anymore i've like strongly shifted into this kind of podcast media world like five years ago which um has been awesome but yeah so i have like a low-key understanding of how to play the guitar well enough to like 
play some songs, but I'm definitely like not somebody you want in your jam session or anything like that. But I don't know. I'm always like super curious with, you know, the longevity of a band. It seems like the ones that I see continue on are the ones that, that do keep experimenting, you know, and they do introduce new instruments in, or even like a new sound, like having a synth is way different than having just a piano. Like you're, you're going to start creating this completely different world for yourself, like diving into those synths or just like that drum pad that you're talking about, you know? So I think that that's like always very cool to see that, that evolution. And I think that hopefully helps you make, not make the same record over and over too. Yeah. Yeah. Same. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think what's cool, like just reflecting now on like, we do have such like live band roots and that was just what we knew and what we did. And I think that like what's happening now kind of, I think you, you kind of asked if you felt like, if we felt like we were getting more into production. And I kind of think that's kind of what's happening. We're like considering production as we're writing songs. Yeah. That's new for us. And that's, I think made the biggest difference. And instead of just being like, we're a band here's how we play it live in our basement and on stage and we're just going to record and capture that as best we can now we're like writing songs for the product of being a recorded piece of music and then um figuring out like how to play it live but what's really neat is because of our live background i feel like we're like starting to really like he said we have some songs that are starting live and then we're figuring out how to record them and then we have some songs that are starting as like a sample and then we have to figure out how to play that live so right now like it is a lot going on it's a lot it's a lot but it's it really is this cool moment of like just keeping still the doors open and experimenting with what happens if we start with a drum loop, but what happens if we start with still a guitar riff, but how do we get a song like that to sound as good as the ones that start with a drum loop? So it's like, I also also just want to add, it's like, it's super exciting because there, it almost seems like we don't have any rules or any like templates to fall into. Um, But at the same time, it just makes it really hard because we don't have any rules or templates to fall into. So it's like, (laughs) You know, we were, we were working on this song the other day and like there's a part where we're like, oh, we definitely need to do that thing where instead of having like a drum fill or like a guitar fill or something, we want to actually use like a studio effect to kind of like use it as like a fill between parts. And like, that's a new thing for us. Yeah. But it's like, it's just making it hard because there's all these different pieces that we're considering now and it's taking us longer to write because again, it's, we don't have our normal stru- yeah. We just don't have a, a set way of doing things anymore. It's kind of, yeah. it's free, but it's, it, it just it's rule It's a whole new stage. It's chaos. Yeah, it's chaos. <laughs> Creative chaos. Yes. You only have each other to rein each other in. That's yes. it. <laughs> Which is quite a challenge sometimes. Yes, it is. We're not the easiest people in the, in the universe. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But, yeah, I, I think, you know, that patience, though, to build those songs and having that time seems to be uh like paying off like there's just these little characteristics like even in reina maybe it's like when the second verse kicks in there's just like that little guitar or synth line that like peeks through just a little bit you know that was for you that one we we made that part specifically for you because we knew this interview was happening (laughs) 
I have a feeling that think... a dude named Dan in, in Portland is really gonna like this. Yeah. <laughs> we were in the He's studio. He's really gonna, gonna fuck with this song. song. Yeah. Well, the producers like, guys, I don't think you should do it. And we're like, dude, I'm telling you, Dan's gonna love this. Dan's gonna love it. <laughs> He's gonna bring it up on his podcast. Yes. <laughs> it's gonna be He's great. He's gonna talk, talk about it. <laughs> so what is like what is like the songwriting process between the two of you at this point? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> like, I felt like that EP was still very much like I would write a song acoustically or have a general idea, and then we kind of jam on it, and then we'd go back and forth a million times, and then we'd demo it, and then we'd make edits, and we'd, you know, do that. But at this point, Ryan started writing a little bit on, like, starting songs on acoustic guitars, and there's one that I'm actually really excited about that, that he just wrote. And, like, so... Even in that element, things are, are like yeah. That's not normal <laughs> yeah. either for either of us. So, um, I think come back and ask us in a year, and hopefully we'll have have figured out a, a, some like systems for ourselves. Well, I guess, and it's okay if there if there never is a a system, you know. However, however it's working, I just think like even something like that, I think is like really dope, just to not, you know, not be so walled off to each person's role in the band. And it's just like if Ryan has a new song idea that that he's playing on the guitar or like kicking off on the guitar, like go with it if it sounds good. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, in line with like what's best for the song, I think we're like if it's a good song, it's a good song. And like I, I think that the coolest thing is that I think both of us have just stripped like egos and sensitivities around there's as, always, much as, possible. as much as possible like there's always that day where like i show him something and he's not feeling it and i get like oh and i'm like hurt for the day but like <laughs> oh shucks yeah, yeah. <laughs> like there's always those nights but um for the most part like in terms of i think i don't think either of us feel like super tied to like the roles we play like it's kind of like we're just trying to we we both are just trying to do as much as possible as best as we can like all the time so it's just we're just trying to put out the best songs that we can regardless of how they come together where they came from exactly has it has it been easier to like has that vision been clearer i guess since it has just become the two of you in the band definitely absolutely yeah i think it you know the more people you have in a band, the more personality you kind of have to balance between. And um, when you actually, when you're in a, I guess you could say in a band where it's like you have less people than the roles that you need to fill when it comes to performing something, you, you kind of have to figure, I, I don't know how I was going to finish that sentence, no, but it's going. like you just kind of have to like experiment and figure out like how to make things work because when everybody fills every role, it's you find yourself kind of siloed into into what your role is. If I don't know if I explained that right. Do, still, do you know what I'm saying? I think so. I'm still kind of processing, but I think so. Yeah, what, what I'm saying is like, like if you have like, <laughs> this is gonna be a stupid uh, comparison, but like if you're thinking about a baseball team and everybody plays a position, when they're playing that position, that's the position they play. Yeah. But if you have, you know. <laughs> nine positions to fill but only three guys you gotta you gotta figure out how to Do make it. it work yeah yeah no that makes that makes total sense i guess that like that is what i kind of gathered i guess from what you were talking about as far as you know since it is just the two of you if if roles are always changing it is it's maybe a little more manageable or okay because you're not running it by other people or they're not trying to 
you know, like you're stepping on my role now. Exactly. Yeah. There's way less of that. Yeah, absolutely. Which I think too, like it, you know, is a big reason of why we've been able to like focus more on like what's best for the song. Because I think sometimes when you have like a band where there's, you know, multiple people, everyone has their instrument and they just want to contribute like their part, their part. So everyone like wants to do in some ways, like, the most they can do with their part because they want to like it's got to be fun for them to play too and like some of the stuff we've written it's not fun for a <laughs> new bass player to play <laughs> like you know like yeah. but, but it was right for the song so um i think having that freedom where it's like we don't have to worry like oh is this will this be, be fun, fun for that guy yeah and like even <laughs> but even with our own parts like for him like i know it's like Playing that drum beat on Reina isn't particularly it's fun, fun yeah, it's but it's fun. like <laughs> the awareness to know that that was like right for the song is like such a that's like a huge moment of growth I think as a musician when you like get to the point where you're willing to play like what's not fun because <laughs> like, it's the right thing yeah. to do yeah yeah because you know the song is really fucking good and you're like it's it's okay if this part's a little. A little boring. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Because it's good. It's it's what's best for the song. Yeah. Yeah. I think it. I mean, that's like another like, I guess like part of the growing pains too of when you do start younger, maybe late teens, early twenties, and like figuring out those ego things with different members and whatnot, and figuring out what works. So. Yeah. I, I also yeah. think that like part of what affects that is kind of what scene you come into. Right. So if you're coming into like a style of music that's more technical, you know, punk or metal or math rock or emo or like if you're if you're coming into or even jazz, if you if you come into a, a complicated genre, it's like the first thing you're trying to do is to be able to play that music that you're into or that scene that you're a part of. But I think maybe if you came into like a, a songwriter scene where it was just like, you know, like four car- four mm. chords could make the best song, you know, being super proficient at your instrument isn't necessarily the thing. So um, like me starting from like the post hardcore scene and, you know, being into heavier and technical music from the beginning, it's like, how fast can I play? I want to be able to play at this speed. And it's like, when you have to kind of like dial it back, it's like, okay, I don't have to do that all the time everywhere. I just have to do what I need to do for this song. It's, it's just a different way of going about it. I think. Yeah. Anna, as far as like lyrics at this point, are you pretty open about sharing initial ideas with Ryan or are you kind of like closed off with them until you've got them in in their place um I definitely like to like know what I want out of lyrics before I show like him but we have gotten to a place where um like with this EP was the first time where we got really open and I just showed him all the lyrics and went line by line and you know asked for feedback and made sure again he understood what I was saying and and that was like a really we actually did this night where um Ryan my girlfriend and his fiance all had (laughs) this is so funny it's so good though it's so good since I was working on like my enunciation and we also wanted to like review the lyrics we're like at that point with the EP and like we basically gave Ryan um my girlfriend Raina and um his fiance Brittany like pens and paper and I played the songs acoustically and they had to write down what I was saying what we thought she was saying and then (laughs) and then I had to then like 
then I would we would talk about what they thought and if it was like enunciated well and we talk about that but then also like it was just this moment for me where like three really close people to me but also just like three people other than myself are just like staring at and analyzing my lyrics <laughs> and like talking to me about it and I was like that was a that was a first and that was like <laughs> that was a lot emotionally I was like wow this is bizarre but ever since then it's been kind of fun to be a little bit more open with it so yeah. yeah that's cool i think that's like a really vulnerable exercise to put yourself through yeah it definitely was <laughs> it's got to be easy playing in front of people after you do shit like that I we haven't so. been able to yeah, yet yeah right right it's been a minute it's, it's been a minute <laughs> yeah uh yeah one of my favorite sets of lyrics is off Raina and it's the you're my favorite view on a city night you're my east coast eyes on an Iowa sky that one is very cool thank you and just yeah just your delivery with the new tunes is is very fucking cool so it's awesome that you're uh you're leaning into that yeah and I think it's like the, that as you know vulnerable and scary as that exercise was it was something that I did get some help and more direction off of it so it's like really those little things make such a difference even though you you know you don't necessarily always want to do them but pays off for sure and i know uh yeah given the circumstances of all the the pandemic shit it sounds like you all have had a, a pretty decent year all in all as far as creativity and whatnot i know you're yeah. <laughs> yeah. Music. <laughs> yeah it's definitely been weird not playing shows we definitely miss that a lot but um like when uh covid first started impacting the northeast um i was i think at the time living at my parents which is like 10 minutes from here so i was just spending like i basically just buckled down here and it was while we were like finishing up the ep so i was it was nice because we got a little extra time because we both were working from home and got more time than we had had ever in the past to just hang out and write. And um, I don't know. And since then, then I feel like we've been running around, but <laughs> chickens, chickens without heads. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. it's all kind of a blur at this point, but um, that was nice. <laughs> yeah, hopefully we're uh, you know rounding the corner on this thing and by the end of summer we can have some some real shows i really really hope so dan me too um let's see i think that's uh we'll probably go out on a on a fun note but what uh when's this ep coming out is that this friday the the whole ep comes out Wait, did we, did we yeah. announce that? Yeah, we announced yeah, that. It's out. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's only, it's only a, a three-track EP. So yeah, there's only one more song. Not to, you know... Burst your bubble. <laughs> oh, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah, yeah. So it's, to... it's just All Weekend Random, and then there's one more track called Bushwick. Um, and that's it. it. It's just a little three-song EP. It'll be out. There it is. It'll be cool. out on Friday. Um and we're really excited. We have a couple other little things we're working on that'll like happen over the next month. So, um, yeah, we're just excited to put it out. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, I'm going to play the episode out with all weekend and I'll, I'll put all the links in the episode notes so people can, uh, 
keep up with the band and whatnot. I know you got some you, FOMOs on vinyl, so people can grab that and definitely go back and check out the the early catalog there on the streaming services and whatnot. Um, All Weekend makes some, you know, a lot of TV and film references to rom-coms and sci-fi so i thought maybe i thought maybe we could go out on a on a light fun note and maybe uh maybe just hit me with some some top rom-coms some top sci-fi um from either of you you know um i really like to all the boys i loved before <laughs> it's a rom-com <laughs> on um netflix came out like a year or two ago i really love that one I'm trying to think of a sci-fi movie. I think I like sci-fi more than rom-coms. That's fair. Have you seen Snowpiercer? Would that be considered a sci-fi? I, I, I think Snowpiercer is definitely like a, a sci-fi deal. Yeah, that movie is dope. We'll have to check that out. I haven't heard of it. Yeah. Just um, to, If you're looking for a rabbit hole after this interview, just look up how Snowpiercer is the sequel to Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> I just... I'm just if if you're looking for something very entertaining to do, it's 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 worth your time. I promise. <laughs> yeah, if that's the nugget that people walk away from from this podcast, Ryan, and they they go on that rabbit hole, I'm about it. <laughs> I don't know what it is, so I I can't. It's not a bad thing. Okay, I'm not cool. I'm not doing bad stuff. It's <laughs> no, just <I> it's <laughs> just like a really good YouTube video where they like connect two things that's that are awesome. actually ridiculous, but you watch it and you're like, oh yeah. Wow. Okay. Maybe I'll go down the rabbit hole. It's good. It's a good yeah. one. You you start to see how conspiracy theories are formed when you start watching those videos of things that yeah have no connectivity, but they just like yeah it does. Exactly. <laughs> it's entertainment, for sure. Um, well, I appreciate you guys taking taking the time to hang and and talk with me. For sure, Dan, it was a pleasure. Yeah, thank you so much for chatting and and having us and reaching out. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, yeah, hopefully there'll be a real tour in the near future, and maybe you all make it through the West Coast. That would be most excellent. I would love to. Yeah, I guess one day I have to make it to the Northeast, though. That would probably be bad on me to not explore that part of the country yeah i mean it's definitely underrated for sure well i also like grew up playing ice hockey in southern california so like i know that the northeast is like hockey nation for the u.s so i I would also like really appreciate getting to be in that environment so well maybe we should tour to portland and you should come play hockey in new jersey yeah <laughs> oh, i'm about it we can do a little house swap you need a place to stay here do a show swap show yeah. show <laughs> show yeah you, you guys can find me a pickup game to jump in i'll also i'll book a show for you here and we'll be all good that would be awesome i also want to say i went to portland once for one day and went to that giant ass bookstore and that was pretty crazy ah the old powell's bookstore the, the famous powell's and then I got some good donuts, and that's all I remember from Portland. <laughs> right on. Um, well, like I said, I'll put all the links in the episode notes so people can keep up with y'all. And uh, we end every episode of the podcast with the guest saying the tagline for the show, which is, it's a program. Program? Program. You got it. You got it. So if we can get the Vaughns, it's a program. We can properly uh, sail this thing out. One, two, three. It's, it's a, a program. program. They nailed it, everybody. That's the Vons from New Jersey. I think you're the first people from New Jersey to be on the podcast. All right.
We so did it, guys. You're, yeah. <laughs> you're repping heavy. Nice. And uh, we're going to play it out with All Weekend, which is on that new EP, which is, uh, this is coming out on Friday. So it's all available for people to go check out. And uh, that's the Jelly Jams. And we will catch you on the flip side, Portland or New Jersey, wherever you're at. Hey, that was super fun. Thanks so much for, for doing the hang. <laughs>